listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, including at Locked On Nuggets. We're back. It feels like it's been forever. This Christmas break slash New Year's break, all kind of back-to-back on top of getting sick and the whole family getting sick. It's put a whole kink in the schedule, but hopefully that's all behind us. And now we have 2018 to look forward to and, and hopefully a more regular schedule. Probably go a little bit long this week because the Nuggets play Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday being Stiff's Night Out, so I'll probably record episodes all the way through the weekend. We'll see how it goes. Maybe try to catch up a little bit on some of the episodes that we've been missing out so we have a full slate of of january episodes and i alluded to it just a second ago stiffs night out is this saturday i hope to see everybody there we had a maybe our best stiffs night out ever back in what was it now october was it yeah it was october uh the opening night of the year i think there was like 300 people at the celtic uh on market street I don't know if we're going to get that many people this time, although maybe it's a Saturday night. You never know. Um, but we're having it this Saturday, the 6th, as the Nuggets take on the Sacramento Kings. Very, what, you know, a couple easy games this week, even though it is three games and four nights with a with a road trip over to Sacramento. I think there's a great chance the Nuggets grab that one and, and maybe some momentum. I think it's going to be a good time. We're starting. We're kicking off at 7 o'clock. I'll be there. The Stiffs will be there. We'll have some – the Nuggets will be there. Super mascot Rocky. We're going to have uh, giveaways, so if you show up, there's a good chance you're going to win some free tickets and some uh, or free merchandise, something free. Um, so show up. And then on top of that, there's just a good time. The more people that are there, the more the better time it is because we cheer on the Nuggets. Uh, it's a loud environment. It's always a, good, it's always a really good time. And it's a great chance to meet other people. Um, every time I go, I always end up meeting dozens and dozens of, of, of other Nuggets fans, and it's always cool. It's always cool to put faces um, you know, to to other Nuggets fans or to people that I interact with online. So definitely show up. And if you see me, I'm the tall, really handsome guy. Um, come up and say hi. You'll I, you probably recognize my voice at least, but I'm, I'm I'll be one of the taller people there. So come by and say hey. Also, announcement. Last announcement before we get right into things. Draft Wednesday. You're listening to the show. It's on a Wednesday. Draft Wednesday. You're gonna want to follow me at Locked On Nuggets on Twitter so you can see every Wednesday I challenge my listeners to a locked on nuggets fantasy duel where we draft and see who can draft the best uh, team for that night i think there's like 15 games on the wednesday slate tomorrow too so full slate of games we're going to get a lot of opportunities to draft some players nuggets going up against phoenix which means i think there'll be like five nuggets players you're going to want to draft so challenge me download the draft app or go to draft.com follow me lo nugs on there use promo code lo nuggets and I'll send out a, a challenge. It's $3 to get in, which is, you know, not that much money. And then we'll all play against each other and, and, and have a good time. This episode of the show, so I didn't ever follow up on that Philly game. I'll give you my quick recap here. Um, this episode of the show is going to actually be about the rotation because I think that's like the main storyline coming out of the weekend. Um, and and <laughs> I don't want to bury the lead here, but I think it is a minor storyline, like the tiniest of storylines. There's some interesting things to talk about with it, but I, I think this is going to be one of those episodes where I'm going to be downplaying what I think other people see as a big deal. I do not see it nearly as much as a big deal. In fact, I think the risk is the overcorrection more than 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 anything. But we'll, but I'll get into that. 
but to touch on the Philadelphia game, you know, it, it sucked because I I looked at it as rather than kind of look at I know we always break things down into like December, January, this or that, but I really thought this Nuggets block of games goes from de- December thirtieth until January thirtieth. So it's kind of weird. You just rather than do it by the month, I think it was easier to do it by that because the Nuggets had so many home games. I think four road games and then like 11 home games. So that was the start for me of a block. Clearly the Nuggets didn't see it that way. This was a bad game, maybe the worst loss on the season. Joel Embiid out and the Nuggets go down to a not very good shorthanded Philadelphia team. And I'm inclined to say that this was like a blip. The the Nuggets just aren't a good enough team at this point to where – they these type of losses are shocking unfortunately like I think the Nuggets are really really good and I think they're a playoff team but they're not so good that they're gonna have three or four of these type of losses on the year maybe even more um and just because they're the type of team that they're they're not good enough to blow out a team in their sleep they actually have to be awake to to blow out a team that's bad and unfortunately Denver wasn't awake I my own theory and I have no evidence for this this is like a uh, this is a conspiracy theory so I say this tongue-in-cheek slash I kind of believe it but you know I think the Nuggets overlooked this game because they had stuff going on the new year they had like four days off after that game I think it was just a, a trap game in that the Nuggets I think their minds were maybe elsewhere and and really only evidence I have for this is the fact that they were home after going to Minnesota and they had all those days off and then it was a weekend for Saturday night and New Year's and all that stuff but also before the game there's a couple games this year where Malone, and actually he always does this, where he'll say, you know, I I felt like we didn't have a good shoot around. He kind of alludes to that. Like, I don't I don't know if the guys are mentally prepared for this game. Like, he, he doesn't come out and just say that, but he kind of alludes to it in the pregame. And actually, TJ, TJ McBride of, of Mile High Sports was the one that, that first brought my attention to it in, in the pregame. And I kind of said, huh, I'll put that on the back burner. Malone was kind of hinting at he got the feeling that the team wasn't focused for that game. And so for me, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk to. The game's so so long in the past that I'm inclined just to gloss over it. But I, for me, I think it was just a blip, and it was just one of those things that happened. The Nuggets never got up for that game, and, and as a result, um, they got beat. So that, that that's my take on the Philadelphia game. But there is one other explanation for the game that I do think is important and pertinent, and it it is the topic of discussion for today, and that is that the Nuggets have really tightened their rotation and played their key guys a lot of minutes over the last couple games, and it's possible that that Nuggets game against Philadelphia was the result of fatigue as much as anything and just a team wearing down. Um, I certainly think that played a factor, although I, I, I think Denver, I, I, they still could have won even even in spite of that. But at practice today, in full disclosure, I did not make it to practice. I was still sick. My daughter was still sick. My family were all miserable. We're all we were all all been pathetic for the last week. Um, but so so I wasn't able to make it. But I did see all the quotes and and, and read all the stories coming out of it. Um, Michael Malone held. He always calls these state of the union addresses with the team, and I think that makes these seem more dramatic than what they actually are. I think it's just the same way that I do the 10 and 10. Every 10 games, take a picture of it. Malone seems to do a 15 and 15, right? So, Or, or maybe it's even closer to a 20 and 20, where every every 
big milestone, he kind of sits back and, and evaluates where the team is at and what kind of things they need to work on. I don't think this was like a crisis intervention type thing. I think it was I, – I, I imagine the Nuggets were just kind of like, here's where we are the last couple games. This is what's going on, and here's what we need to get better at. So um, I saw some talk on Twitter of like team meeting or whatever. No, I, I just think this is just like a regularly scheduled type thing. And quite frankly, the State of the Union in my – if I'm going to give you my State of the Union is that – the Nuggets just survived what was, I think, not their most difficult like on paper stretch of the season, but it was where they faced some of the most unexpected adversity. And I think that they passed with like a B plus grade, maybe an A minus. Um, and that is to say that they uh, outperformed my expectations over that stretch. The month of December, um, they went seven and eight, so they had a losing record. But they had the eighth best net rating in the month of December. They're actually the only team in the top ten uh, in the month of December in net rating to have a losing record. Every other team had a had a winning record that had a positive net rating, or that was in the top ten. And there are only two teams with a positive net rating to have a losing record. New Orleans also seven and eight. I think they had the eleventh best net rating. So Denver, I think. I was very impressed with the way the Nuggets have played over the last 12 games or so, really ever since the New Orleans loss. I think that was the last, like, other than the Philly game, the last bad loss. And so, to me, that's why I think this Philadelphia game was more of a blip than it was, like, a, a you know, a sign of things to come. Seven and eight, I mean, I think this is the last time on the season we can kind of look at a stretch and be like, oh, you know, the moral victory is as important as... No, I think, I think this is the last time you can say that. But given all the adversity that they faced, I actually think the Nuggets went a long way into figuring out who they are. At least I feel like I, I have this team figured out a lot better than I did at the start of December. And I imagine the coaching staff feels the same way. And I imagine the front office actually feels the same way. So as we approach trade season, and this is trade season, by the way, trade deadline's like five and a half weeks away, six weeks away. Um, so as we approach that, I think the Nuggets are in a very, very good spot to kind of understand their roster and know where they are. Now, the story is the rotation. And uh, let's just look at the last six games. I think we can do the whole month of December, and I'm going to talk about some December stats and December minutes. But one of the things that hap has happened at first by necessity but ultimately by decision is the Nuggets have tightened their rotation. And out of the rotation has been Emmanuel Moutier, who got hurt or to start the month, and then just when he got back, was I think Malone was kind of happy with some of the progress that the team had made. I'm sure looking at some of the defensive metrics, thought, okay, this is uh, Moutier's not going to be back in the rotation, so he gets cut out. Um, Kenneth Freed gets cut out, and I think you know Mason Plumley started playing really, really well. Um, Freed, by the way, another takeaway from that Philadelphia game was he. So in the in the warmups, the team comes out like 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes before to warm up as a as a team and kind of go through layup lines. Kenneth Fareed waltz walks out after the rest of the team with his hoodie on. He's doing that the thing where he like covers his entire face except for his eyes with his hoodie and and walks out, stands at half court and literally just stands there and watches everyone warm up. He did not warm up. He did not participate in timeouts. He did not join the huddle. He did not. I mean, and and I don't think. You know, there's a lot of players on the team on the roster that I think look up to him. Malik Beasley certainly. I, I think a lot of the young guys um, kind of view him as as a bit of a mentor. So, and and I think he's been a. Po I, I don't know this, but I think he's been a positive influence on those guys, not pouting and this or that. But as we approach trade deadline, and as he gets cut out of a rotation that maybe needs uh, one other guy to kind of go in and play 10, 15 minutes and him not getting those minutes. It's going to be interesting to see just how he handles that because I suspect that Kenneth Reed is not long for Denver. I imagine he is 
going to be – this is his final weeks in Denver. Um, but if not, you, you know, and, and if he senses, if his agent gets the feeling like I, – I, I imagine if he's not happy, and I don't think he's happy with his role, I imagine his agent is kind of saying, hey, are you guys making calls? What's going on? What's the update? Is, is he getting moved, this or that? And as it gets closer and closer to the deadline, we might see a little bit more of an aggressive Fareed trying to force his way out and maybe, you know, hey, I'm going to tank my value if you guys don't try to do something for me. So the Nuggets have an interesting game of chicken, perhaps. I'm speculating here, but perhaps an interesting game of chicken with how they handle him. But it was at least worth noting that his um, engagement in the game the other day was was not non-existent. Um, so those two guys get cut out of the rotation, and now you're talking about who's left. Wancho, who hasn't played all year. Darrell Arthur, who hasn't really played very much all year. Um, Malik Beasley, who I'm going to talk about here in a little bit. So not guys that have been in the regular rotation anyway. So I think um, part of this is a little bit by necessity, but Malone has tightened up the rotation. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm a fan. Now, I think he went a little bit too far over the last six games. But I am a big, big, big fan of a eight-man rotation and a big, big fan of having your, like, seven key guys and then a couple other guys that just fill in the gaps. They're not like, uh, they're not like oh, I got to get minutes for so-and-so. It's more just like I need to get a rest for this guy, therefore I'm putting in, you know, this other guy. So uh, for me, I'm a big fan of that. I think that that's how you win games. And the Nuggets were going through. I just mentioned how this was such an important and, and tough stretch for them. I don't think they make it through that stretch unless – they tightened up the rotation. So so for me, this is not a like a and I know I'm or I can already tell that there's going to be a certain section of of uh Nuggets fans that are going to be upset with this defense of Malone again, but to me I think that I'm much more concerned about Malone opening up the rotation to guys that actively hurt the Nuggets or harm the Nuggets than I am about him playing guys too many minutes. So let's look at this. Last six games, because I think that's where we're really looking at where the minutes really kind of went through the roof. 35-plus minutes. Jokic played five of the last six games, played 35 or more minutes, which for him is really rare, by the way. Um, he, <laughs> If you think back to last year, I think Nuggets fans were always so frustrated because he rarely got over that 32-minute threshold. Um, so five out of six, that's kind of a lot for him. And maybe he's not in shape for it. Coming back from an ankle, maybe he's not in shape to play those kind of minutes. Jamal Murray... In four of the last six games, he played 35 or more. Gary Harris, in all five of the games he played, uh, he sat out one game because of the uh, injury. Eight of his last, all eight of his last games, he played 35 or more minutes. If there's one guy that you look at and say is getting too many minutes, it's Gary Harrison. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. Wilson Chandler, only two of the last six games did he play 35 minutes or more. The reason I'm using 35 minutes as a cutoff, by the way, is because 35, I think, is that like more than 35 minutes you say that's a lot of minutes if a guy plays 34 minutes to me that's just a regular if you play 34 minutes like 10 games in a row yeah that's a lot but 34 minutes to, per night that's not a lot to me you can handle that that's like a close game you play 34 minutes goes down to the wire you play 34 minutes that's not a that's not a huge stretch i think ideally you'd like guys at your your top guys in the 32 minute range the 34 i don't think is i think once you get past that is when you start to get to be too many um well barton just one of the last six games so when you look at it really just Jokic, jamal and gary harris are the three guys that have been playing over the last six games consistently playing too many minutes 
Harris is the only one that I really point to and think, okay, I think he's being ridden a little bit too hard. And perhaps that's the reason for the poor shooting. He he had he shot 45% in the month of uh, October. He shot 42% in the month of November. He is shooting just 29.4% in the month of December. And in the month of December, he is playing 37.2 minutes per game. An enormous amount of games. <coughs> and I think you can tell that Malone loves Gary Harris, and Gary Harris may be a little bit of a security blanket for him because he just always does his job, and, and he's such a reliable guy. Gary Harris is super reliable. Um, T-shirt dropping soon, by the way. Be, have your eyes out on denverstiffs.com. Very excited for this one. Maybe announcing it tomorrow. We'll, we'll see. Um, so he's a guy that I think you look at, and, okay, that the, the, probably a mistake on him and, and the poor shooting numbers, I think. I think we all saw Gary Harris kind of go to another level early on in this month when Jokic went down and he, he stepped up and made some plays. The one piece that was missing from Gary Harris's December was the shooting, um, and and perhaps if they can get that minute down like five minutes per game, his three-point percentages go back up. Also, though, you know, the Nuggets only played one game in the last week. They played a game on the 27th, and then they haven't played a game since uh, – or they've only played one game since then. So you're going to have an entire week, which is one game. They should be – whatever fatigue they were filling in the legs for that for that stretch of games should be gone. Unless there's, like, injuries that, are, that haven't made to the injury report, they should all be well-rested and ready for this next stretch of, of, of games. So I do think going into December you probably want to lower the minutes for Gary, but I don't think it's one of those things where it's like – if he has a bad shooting night tomorrow, we're like, yeah, well, he played so many minutes a week ago. That's that, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. So, that's something to keep an eye on. Jamal Murray, on the other hand, played the most minutes of his career to date in in December, thirty one point four minutes per game in the month of December, and his three point percentage shot up. Now, thirty one point four minutes is different than thirty seven. I do think that six minute gap makes a huge difference. And young as Jamal is, thirty one minutes per game, I think he's he can handle and 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 actually maybe it's a positive for him because. You know, for shooters, but I think for all players, but especially shooters, it, it's such a rhythm sport that the more you get to play, not just 31 minutes, but the more you get to play in like eight minute sections, you know, like long stretches, maybe the more comfortable you get on the court and the more confidence you have and you don't feel like you're hunting for shots, you just let the game come to you. So perhaps that's part of what's led to to Murray's kind of... Um, rejuvenation with his three-point jump shot but I don't think you look at Jamal Murray and say we Nuggets need to cut his minutes down 31.4 I think he's fine I think that's like right in the cushy zone so that leads a question so now that we've we've established how I where I feel about this Gary Harris's minutes is too too high Jokic in a couple of these games it's been too high but outside of that I, I think that it's probably much ado about nothing Let's just talk about the minutes here, a minute distribution, like an ideal minute distribution. I think Jamal Murray playing 32 minutes per game is doable. He's young. Maybe you cut that down to 30 minutes, but just let's just do like kind of the top end right now, and then I'll, I'll explain why at the, at the end here. Jamal Murray, 32 minutes. Gary Harris, 32 minutes. Wilson Chandler, I think, can handle 32 minutes. Uh, Mason, he may, Wilson, by the way, early in the season was playing really, really heavy minutes. He, he was kind of a guy that Malone used as a security blanket, but I think he can handle 32 again. If we ha we, we're going to go full here and then we can cut back a little bit. Mason Plumley, I think can handle 24. I think Mason Plumley can handle like 36 minutes. He's a tremendous athlete. I think 24 is best for him because the Nuggets have this guy, Nikola Jokic, who can play 32 minutes, and he's going to eat up a lion's share of those. So that's all of your starters getting 32 minutes except for Mason Plumley getting 24. Will Barton can handle 32 minutes. He's been playing right around there, I think somewhere around 31 minutes over the last 
month. Trey Lyles, 30 minutes. Torrey Craig, 26 minutes. Now, that's a huge bump up for him. I think he's only been averaging about 16. That's an eight-man rotation. Those minutes right there, that creates 100% of the minutes that you need. That's all of the minutes for uh, uh, an eight-man rotation. Now, you say that's a little bit high, and it probably is because – I think if you average out to 32 minutes per game, maybe you have a little, you know, one night you go to 34 and the other night you're 30, I think, but but you average out to there. But now you have two players. If you just assume Malik Beasley can fill in and play 10 minutes a, a night without becoming a negative and Kenneth Freed can play another 12 minutes a night without being a negative, now you can... Oh, so so now you can start to subtract from people. So if Jamal doesn't play 32 minutes one night, maybe you cut a little bit of minutes out. Maybe he's kind of a little bit sore or back-to-back or whatever. You got 10 Beasley minutes to kind of distribute amongst everybody else or maybe even 12 minutes to distribute amongst somebody else. So Jamal only goes 29 minutes. That's three minutes for Bo- uh, for Beasley. Harris only goes 29 minutes. That's three more minutes for Beasley. So I think if you look at it like that, an eight-man rotation makes sense where your eight guys, those are the guys you're trying to play and, and trying to get minutes for, and then you have Beasley and Fareed to kind of plug in the gaps and fill in the holes. So to me, I like that rotation. I am much more concerned about an overcorrection. The one thing that Malone has done is those Tory Craig minutes have been down and everybody else has kind of collectively picked up the slack, especially the backcourt. Um, but if you just up Tory Craig's minutes and I think he can handle it, then I think you're all right. And sure, some of the shine has come off of Torrey Craig over the last couple games. He's not shooting 100% from the three-point line like he was through three games or whatever. Um, But I think that he's another guy that, uh, you know, once you get up into the 20 minutes per game zone, I think that he's going to get much more of his defensive rhythm. And um, I I don't – let's put it this way. When I sit here and think about if you told me tomorrow against Phoenix, Torrey Craig played 26 minutes, I don't. To me, I, I, that doesn't make me worried. That makes me happy. I thought I, I think I'd be optimistic about that um, development. That's also the eight guys that me I personally feel like I can trust. Malik Beasley, Kenneth Freed, I I don't trust them. I think that they're up and down, hot and cold. There's there's certain situations where they can excel at, especially Kenneth Freed. I think he's a guy that. Obviously, alongside Nikola Jokic, those two guys have a great chemistry. Um, trying to play it, fit him around other spots, I think that that's the hard part for Malone. Um, Malik Beasley, same thing. He comes in and knocks down some shots and 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 defends really, really well. I think he's okay. I think he can be a, a a rotation piece, but unfortunately, I think he's a little bit more up and down. Some nights his shots not there, his decision making's not there, and his just kind of like reaction speed on defense it isn't there. So. Um, so he's not a guy that I would say we have the Nuggets have to find minutes for him, but he is a guy that I think that if you have to put somebody in, he's the next man up. He's the ninth guy in an eight man rotation, uh, so to speak. And then here's, it's easy to kind of put out minutes. It's a lot harder to put out. And I've done this before. Try to say like, okay, in in a vacuum, what is the perfect rotation? These five guys start for the first five, six minutes. Then this guy comes in. It's it's really hard to do that. Even when you have this ideal of how many minutes guys should be playing, it's a lot harder to piece together. But here's what I would say. Here's like the cheat sheet I would use. If Nikola Jokic or Mason Plumlee can't play, either from injury or from foul trouble or from it's just not their night, something's going on, and Malone feels like he has to shake things up. So if Jokic or Mason cannot play, one of them, not both, if one of them can't play, I think the move is to slide Wilson to power forward and to play him play a little bit more small ball. So you open up spots in the, in your backcourt, but Wilson ends up playing power forward. Or you play Kenneth Freed at power forward, especially if it's Mason who can't play. 
Jokic Fareed ends up getting a little bit more minutes and eats up some of those um, Jokic Plumley minutes. Or you play Kenneth Fareed at center as the backup, and you play Jokic. You just play small ball for 48 minutes, which we know the Nuggets can do, and you have to play 12 minutes of Fareed at center. Now, if you listen to the show for a couple years now, you know I don't love Fareed at center. I think that's a bad lineup. But if you look at, I, I think even in that Philadelphia game, Mason Plumley. I think a negative 18 at center without Jokic on the court. So I don't think he's going to be significantly worse than Mason Plumley in small stretches. I do think over like I do think Plumley is a better option at center no question about it, but in small stretches like if Mason's in foul trouble, I think Kenneth Freed becomes that next guy that you insert in rather than try to play um Jokic 37 minutes in a, in a game just buy that extra five minutes with Freed at center or you could play Trey Lyles at center against certain lineups certain teams not every team but we've seen the Nuggets play that and have a little bit of success for it in like two or three minute stretches and again we're just talking about I've already laid out a, a minutes thing so we're just talking about if you have to buy a few minutes here or there if Murray or Harris or Barton can't play, so that's your backcourt. If one of those guys get into foul trouble, now Torrey Craig's minutes go up. Torrey Craig probably is not a 32-minute-per-game at the NBA level kind of guy, but if you have to do it in a pinch, I think that's your best option, and it's not like you're going to wear Torrey Craig out by playing him 32 minutes a game. He's a tremendous athlete, so I think his minutes bump up. You also can play Malik Beasley minutes, so whereas he's not in this eight-man rotation that I've drawn up, he suddenly becomes a part of this eight-man rotation if one of those guys gets in foul trouble or hurt or is not playing properly. That's why I don't put him in the rotation. I put him as like the alternate um, as the as like the backup who's ready to go at at any moment's notice, and then if Wilson, I actually think if Wilson Chandler is like the hardest one to like if he can't play for some reason, and not because I think he's the best player, but because I think he's the most versatile. He's the one that can kind of slide and 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 do some things that it's kind of hard to replace. But if he can't play for whatever reason, I think you slide Bartlett Barton to power forward. Um, I think you pay, play Malik Beasley a little bit more. I think you play Torrey Craig a little bit more. And then if you're really desperate, you can even play Emmanuel Moutier more because now moving Barton to small forward means that you opened up a spot in the backcourt because now you only have Murray and Harris. So maybe Moutier then ends up playing 20 minutes that night for if, if Wilson can't go. Um, not a great option, of course, but I think it's, it's a better option than wearing these guys out. So um, I would not play Darrell Arthur. I would not play Juancho Hernan Gomez. I think Juancho... As I've said several times, I think this is just a busted year for him, and it's unfortunate. But he's just hit some some really unlucky breaks, and it's probably and the Nuggets should not be relying on him. He he, from what we saw, unless he's really improved physically over the last month, where we haven't seen him. But from what we saw, he is an actively negative player for the Nuggets on the defensive end of the floor. Um, Darrell Arthur, I've I've always felt that Darrell Arthur was not a a, a rotation player in the NBA, so. I just would not play those guys. And Richard Jefferson, same thing. I, I just haven't seen enough to think that he should be in the rotation, although I would probably move him above both Darrell and Wancho. But, again, he's more of a, a, a last resort type option in this scenario. So um, so that's what I would have, an eight-man rotation with two alternates, one in your backcourt, one in your frontcourt, and Beasley in the backcourt, Fareed in the frontcourt. The reason Malone is not playing Fareed, by the way, I don't know what the reason is, but I suspect it has to do with defense, and, and that is – that is, there's no denying that that Kenneth Fareed makes you a worse defensive team. You can't rely on him, and his like def, his defensive metrics are never good. Um, but what I will say is, and, and Malone had an interesting quote today at practice where he said something to the effect of like, "I feel extra pride when our team is winning off of defense." Why? And and to that I say, why? 
for me, I'll never understand this. A win is a win. The defense is no more noble or valuable or or important than offense. They are both important. I think, especially when you're teaching like youth basketball, you know, de- t- players like to shoot the ball and they like to dribble and they like the offensive end. That's the fun part. So maybe you have to o- emphasize defense a little bit more. And, and maybe that's even true at the NBA level. But I think when you're just talking about we have to win this game, it doesn't matter if you win it offensively or defensively. As long as you outscore your opponent, you get the W in the W column. And if you have to, again, you're building the team that you think can do be the best two-way team. So you're, you're a good defense and a good offense. And I think that eight-man rotation is the right one. But if you have to play a player, I wouldn't say, well, we're going to go to Darrell Arthur because he's a better defender than Kenneth Fareed because he is such a significantly worse offensive player than Kenneth Fareed that I don't think it makes sense to go there so so to me you as a as a coach I think he has to be a lot more flexible to just say you know what we don't have it defensively tonight with this lineup so and so's in foul trouble so and so sick whatever it is so we're going to play with Fareed and we're going to try to run this team off the court and we're going to try to outscore him and to me that's 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 the way you go again I think this is a non-story this I like what the Nuggets have done over the month of December. I'm I remain incredibly optimistic about where they are. I think if they don't come out and blow Phoenix out, who played tonight, now they're gonna have to fly to Denver and play tomorrow on a back to back with Denver's four days rest. This is a schedule win for Denver if there ever was one. If they don't do that, then I'm gonna sound the alarm. But I think that they're gonna come out and start a little streak um, starting on Wednesday night. So I, I think it's much ado about nothing. And then lastly, one way for you to lower players' minute totals is to blow teams out. And let's just look at the, the home schedule over the month of January. They have Phoenix at home. They have Utah without Rudy Gobert at home. That should be a win. They have Sacramento on the road. Okay, that's the only road game I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention. But Sacramento is not a good basketball team. They Even on a back-to-back, even on a third, and third game in four nights, that's a game that I think Denver can win. Back to the home games. They have Atlanta, not a good team. Memphis, not a good team. Dallas, not a good team. Phoenix, Portland. Portland, a good team, but we're talking about the first game of Yusuf Nurkic back here at Pepsi Center. Den- Denver getting rest before the This is absolutely the Nuggets should uh, a game the Nuggets should win. The Knicks at home, Denver should win. Dallas, Boston at the end of it, obviously that's a tough one, but you look at all of those games, there's only one game where Denver will not be favored entering the game. So if you want to get some rest, some of these are absolute laughers, and Denver can get rest by blowing a team out so that the starters don't have to play the fourth quarter, and now you can significantly lower players' minutes over time. That's it for today's show, guys. Excited to be back. Can't wait to talk about tomorrow's Phoenix game and whatever happens, and excited to have a bunch of games here to talk about over the next week. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.